Hey, everybody, and welcome to First Issue Club, the podcast that covers first issues of the week. You may or may not know this, but we cover only number ones, a very rare thing for other media to do and other podcasts to do. Only number ones. <laughs> yeah, if you had, like, let's say, like an online blog. No. You wouldn't get your hands even close to this stuff. You wouldn't know what you were doing. Yeah, this is like originality slapping you in the face and saying, yep, that's my name, original. <laughs> uh, we, this week, are covering books out on February 7th. We have some doozies for you. We had a great week this week. We got X-Men Red. I know you've been waiting for it. Out on Marvel, number one. Then we have Versus out on Image. That's a number one, baby. And then we've got Armstrong and the Vault of Spirits from Valiant. Who is in the club today? And what's your biggest pet peeves? This is Greg Lichtai, and my biggest pet peeve related to comics, which this doesn't have to be, but when people, like, fold their comics, like, hamburger-wise, hamburger like, like, they fold the page underneath itself as they're reading it, I, that drives me up the wall. Why would anybody do that? Yeah, I've seen it happen, and it's just like, it, and you see it like in movies, like when kids are reading comic books, or yeah. just, they just like fold the comic behind itself. I'm like, what the fuck are you it's doing? Like they have no value of life. Yeah, you're first of all, you're gonna ruin the spine of that comic, mm-hmm. and it's just gonna be a trash. You just comic. burn up three ninety nine right there. Yeah, my name is Mike DeStacy, and my comic book pet peeve would have to be when I'm reading a book, and then I get to the middle of it and there aren't any staples and then all the pages slide out and I think how am I supposed to finish this thing <laughs> it's got no structure it's loose pages all over I'll, be, I'll back you up I can't tell I you mean, how many times this I ha- hate that <laughs> I hate that so is this a design structure or is it just a comic book that forgot forgotten the staples you know what I'm thinking I'm talking about is a newspaper I think I, I'm <laughs> I was thinking, oh, about, yeah. thinking about a newspaper. Funny papers, and yeah. I got confused. The funny pages. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Similar. Yeah. yeah. Which, why don't newspapers have staples in them? You like, could always Magazines? I think magazines yourself. have a copyright on that. Oh, oh, huh. Supreme life hack. Did anyone else hear what Caitlin said? <laughs> no. Staple your newspapers. You staple, staple your, your newspaper. For your health. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Little kids are going to have booths out on the corner. Yeah. We'll staple your paper for yeah. you. Your paper doesn't fall apart over here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is Budget King, and my comic book pet peeve is when I'm reading the comic book, and then all of a sudden enters my ears a little bit of Dave Brubeck. Do you feel me how fucked up that is? It just really gets me in my inyards. <laughs> I also hate uh-huh. I also hate when I'm reading the comic books and somebody turns on an old used DVD of Cirque du Soleil. I hate Cirque du Soleil, <laughs> and I can't be emphatic about that enough. If the only thing worse would be an improv Cirque du Soleil, I don't have one. My name is Caitlin Rossick, and I I guess the only pet peeve that I have. Is when someone tries to read, tries to talk to me while I am reading. Let's get that <laughs> podcast started. Uh, 
All right, so first up, we've got X-Men Red from Marvel Comics, art and words by Taylor and Azrar. So in this story, Jean Grey has returned to the X-Men and finds herself in a world that's more divided than ever over superpowered mutants. Same old X-Men story, mutants have never been hated or feared, yet our cast is still devoted to protecting the world around them without bias. But here we find Jean devoted to the cause of fighting for mutant rights on a global scale by appealing to the United Nations to have mutant kind itself recognized as a nation. Big political sort of stuff going on here, but at its core, kind of same old X-Men stuff. We've got X-Men Blue, X-Men Gold, and now X-Men Red, the third colored schemed X-Men squad in a year. Three different X-Men books. Does this one validate its own book? Yeah, I think so. I don't love the naming scheme, like the different colors. Mm-hmm. But when I read this book, this comic book, I had this feeling of like, this is the Marvel I loved as a kid. Like, I felt like I went through this dark time of reading. Not dark time, but just good time of, I'm like, oh, I'm Mr. Independent Guy. And I'm not, I'm just not that up on Marvel. This book made me be like, what have I been missing? You know what I'll say about a good function of these new X-Men sub-squad books that they're doing now? is that you're biting off small groups of heroes. It's not this, like, massive continuity to follow. So it's easier, I guess, to get, like, a contained story with a limited number of characters. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I just didn't like this book because I felt like I've read the same sort of X-Men story that has, like, all of the tropes of, like, and commentary of race wars, oppressed groups using their oppressor system and politics to make their cases to them. An honest gesture in public getting misconstrued as an attack that's like t- having everybody turn on the good guys. There's just like so many things. Did you things. write all those down? That was a, that was a good list. Yeah, yeah, I make notes. Okay. Are you surprised I prepare for the <laughs> podcast? No, I also make notes, but that was just a great list. I feel like they're doing the same thing that X-Men always do. I guess I appreciate now that with what the world is like, that they're focusing in a lot of their stories on the struggle with equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like, I think I need more of a twist now, X-Men. So I, I kind of a little bit disagree in that I think they're doing what X-Men had done well. There's another X-Men book, X-Men Blue. May have changed by now, but originally was led by Jean Grey. Yes. A Jean Grey from an alternate universe who is younger and has been thrust into our timeline and our universe. Correct. Completely confusing. And they're all merged now into this one world. Um, Good luck following it, casual comic book fans. (laughs) Very frustrating. But again, you have yourself some self-contained books here that seem to be biting off a a right amount to chew to tell stories that don't have to involve all that other confusion and bullshit. This story focuses on one Jean Grey, the original Jean Grey from the X-Men, which she just came back from the dead. Any Mm. takes on that? What are your guys' opinions on uh, Shocker, a comic book character coming back to life? Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't wait to see how she dies again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say that I am impressed 
by how long Marvel kept this character dead. Like a day? No, for a, a year. For some years. Some years. <laughs> Do you guys remember that? That was the X-Men animation intro music. Yeah, dude. Brought to you by <laughs> Budget King's Mouth. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't miss that Wolverine was now female, but I like it. One thing that I appreciate yeah. that um, Marvel has been doing with some of these characters is they're replacing um, the male characters with their female counterparts um, because they've died in most cases. So She-Hulk became Hulk, mm. which is a much more modern way to talk about a female superhero. That same, she's, same with Thor. Mm-hmm. R- yeah, exactly. Right. So they're not just like these... She-Hulk. These like <laughs> yeah. women counterparts to like a primary male. Yeah. Hulk for her. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Wolverine, Thor, and Hulk. All women now in the Marvel continuity. Gotten some neckbeards upset about that though. Big time. Not but happy. What's not going to upset the neckbeard population? Nothing. I like how X-Men... Bo- <laughs> Sorry. I also like how X-Men books know that they're confusing because there was a, a villain introduced in this book. And of course, the villain had to say their name. <laughs> oh, that was so <laughs> For you to, to be me. like, yes. oh, that's who that is. That's I the lo- only reason I knew what me to too. call him. I love when they naturally do a good job of someone shouting out to somebody so you can get your head around it. But yeah, the villain alone in his lair being like... And so it is told, I, <laughs> Villain X, will be, like, taking care of bee's knees. <laughs> yeah, it was so... You, that's how you know you're a bee villain, when you have to just constantly say your name so people overhear it. Mm-hmm. That's what Budget King is. Now we're covering VS, also known as Versus, out on Image. Written by Ivan Brandon and illustrated by Asad Ribic. There's a lot of things happening in this book, but here is my one-sentence review of V.S. I have no idea what the fuck is going on, and I loved every second of it. (laughs) (laughs) I have something very similar. Right from the get-go, I am so baffled by this book, but it is so beautifully illustrated, I could read probably... 40 more pages of this and be just as happy. This is the first book that we have read where I would say the illustration wholeheartedly carries the book. That's not to diminish the writing, but the illustration of it, I just was like, yep, just keep it coming. I really don't know much. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Assad really just like slam dunked this, set the net on fire, ripped the, (laughs) the rim off of the glass, and just spiked it into the ground. Swoosh! Oh, my God. Yeah. Straight to hell and back again. Yes, this was beautiful. Um, to give you more in-depth synopsis of what this book was, apparently there is a battle world that exists, um, not digitally, but it's like on a world that is televised. There are ads that come in and out of the real world and this battle world to sponsor products that any television or any commercial will want you to buy. And it follows this main warrior who was injured in his last battle. He's kind of seen as, like, the Tom Brady of this battle world. He is, like, the best warrior. Less, less hated, though. I don't know. We don't know yet. That's a good point. 
some 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 people love Tom Brady, some people hate Tom Brady. I'm assuming the same is going to be for this character. But for the story that we know right now, he is the best at it so far. He is the the most feared and uh, battle worn on this planet so far. Uh, we see him reliving a flashback inside of a, I think is a hospital ward. Yeah. And he's kind of reliving his past battle where he got injured. He is finally released with uh, a new, some new parts uh, attached to him. I think we can assume that this entertainment is such like a regimented, huge money maker mm-hmm. that these people are essentially like owned by mm-hmm. whatever that large corporation okay. is, and they're meticulously treated back to prime condition to get them back on air. The author said that he came up with this idea because he wanted to do uh, space. Um, what's that word where they used to battle inside the gladiators? Gladiators. There oh, we go. Oh yeah. Space gladiators. Yes. yes. Although gladiators to me means USA gladiators, the American <laughs> gladiators. Uh, but yes, yeah, space gladiators. And so this is his version of that. It's happening in like VR, but then they're also like war heroes in some other ways mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, take a longer amount of time, take a few issues to set it up instead of making the yeah. this, whole this, this, this author did one. Drifter, sorry, we should have said that. That yeah. makes it, that puts it into perspective for me, though, why it's so much harder to write a first issue than it would be to, like, I mean, I think of so many movies that start out with a very full, action-packed sequence where people are like, oh, what's going on? We've just been dropped into this movie and things are blowing up, and but you have that three minutes and then things calm down and questions are answered and you have to bank on your first issue being like that, engaging enough, but also giving people enough to buy the second one, which is so much harder than other media. I think if we didn't hold them to that standard, this podcast wouldn't be as good. But I think that's the beauty of this podcast is we're measuring this art form that is somewhat controlled by, like, the norms of the comic book world of, like, you got to put it all in here, Mm -hmm. even if you you didn't want to and you wanted to really like tease some things out for the second issue like the the economics of this is you got to get them coming back on the second one and i think that makes every first issue the stakes are high right can we all agree that maybe this book should have been double sized to allow the story to breathe a little more would probably have been a perfect scenario mm-hmm. yeah and it's something that who published this book image image, image yes. which this is something that image does a lot is that their first issues are like 64 pages like huge yeah. comic books um this one's like the probably the size of a normal comic would yeah, you say you're right yeah. you're right um would have definitely benefited from a little more i would have loved 32 context. more pages yeah. of yeah. this artwork I love it and the the ads almost serve as a comic relief too mm-hmm. because I, it's it's just a funny commentary on uh, what's happening in the situation that it's like, oh, we're marketing something mm-hmm. when something brutal has right. just happened or something. We like have a nuanced. morbid fascination with combat right. being directly juxtaposed with I need to buy things. Commercialism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to sell and buy things. We should probably mention this comic is set very, very far in the future. We have floating cars, giant metropolises with roads that do not make any kind of sense. They just are doing loop-de-loops and twists, and you have these floating ships everywhere. So this is like... I mean, and there's, ob- there's alien races and stuff. Yes, so alien races. Yeah. But there's also just like, it doesn't matter how advanced we get, we're still obsessed with bloodlust and yeah. like destruction and fighting. That's just one thing that's never going to go away, no matter how yeah. advanced we get. Which I will say, that to me, is the disconnect for Star Trek. 
the the lack of the intentional lack of bloodlust in Star Trek. Oh, they're all so passive. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, even like their tasers, I know are intentionally designed to be, you know, tactical. Not, yeah, about it. Like I, that to me, it's just never drew me in that much. I one thing I appreciate about Star Trek is that I think the future that Versus gives us is so much more the trope of where the future goes, where we're just like so entertained by violence and all this gladiator yeah. ancient stuff becomes and o- everything okay is a again. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. exactly. Whereas in the future, Star Trek, given that they're this like small group of people who are like lost in space, are uh, curious. You know, Exploration. Curious exploration. Just wanting to make contact. Just Com- want to see who you are yeah, and what you do. Completely idyllic it is about utopian. Discovery, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We talk, this doesn't have to make the podcast, but we talk about this comic book a lot, which I love, uh, Tokyo Ghost. Um, and they ramp up this idea of oversaturation of mm-hmm. media in the future. It's a big plot point there. And I think that this... Is the as a book that would also now come to mind of like that's that's a that's a future that even academically mm-hmm. um, I've been uh, interested in and just one I I love I could see this future playing out. Go ahead. Here's something crazy about Tokyo Ghost that this this book came out what a year ago two, two yeah, maybe yeah, two years yeah. ago and at the time the idea of being addicted to VR experiences was completely novel. And living in the world we live in now, how much more realistic does that seem? Oh, totally. That you, like, and, you know, we've got the Olympics going on in Korea right now, and so there's a lot more attention given to the rehab facilities for kids who are addicted to video games. It's a state law that if you're under 16, you can't play video games between, you know, 12 midnight and 6 a.m. in the morning. People are addicted to games, and the idea of virtual reality and media being fed into you constantly through VR is, uh, I mean, what a endlessly interesting, the way our minds work and how quickly, like, just things change with the spread of information and the way we're dialed in Mm -hmm. to that whole world. And it, it truly is a world in and of itself. And books that give me a commentary on that, it's just like... More and more and more, it becomes a future that you could potentially actually see happening. Mm-hmm. Completely nuts. Did you see the uh, article recently that a uh, man in, I don't know if it was China or Korea, but he was hospitalized because he was gaming for 20 hours straight and his legs stopped working. Like uh, an ambulance had to come because he couldn't use his legs because he had been just sitting for 20 hours in these video game cafes that they have over there. They have these, like, cafes with super-fast computers, and kids just sit there for 20 hours. And they had to call the hospital because he couldn't uh, stand up anymore. And this is a huge thing with video games, is that you have to make them somewhat sexy so people get up and masturbate every <laughs> once in a while. Thank and you. it's going to get their legs <laughs> That's the sole reason for yeah, doing that. Yeah, you can't be doing your masturbation in the video game, because then, like, while you're sitting there or whatever. Exactly. No, no. Yeah. You Not until you get to, like, Ready Player One status, and there then you go. can... You can Haptic masturbate body wherever suits. you want. <laughs> Which I already have my tickets for the launch of that Do as you? well. Mm-hmm. You um, guys want to start a metal band called Digital Spooge? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm Catholic, so masturbation's a sinny sin. <laughs> it's true, it is. Mm-hmm. So any spill- spilling of seed not intentionally creating fertile young is going to send you and I straight to 
the demon. I Eat get your a, double hockey stick. And I get around that by freezing everything <laughs> that comes out of me. <laughs> this comic book is great. You're going to read it and be confused. If you're new to comic books, you're going to read it and be super confused. But um, you'll be intrigued enough to yeah. pick yeah. up another one. I just, you're just going to love looking at it. Yeah. Next up, we got Armstrong and the Vault of Spirits out on Valiant. That's a first issue, number one, baby. This is written by Fred Van Lenti and illustrated by Cafu. If you don't know, Archer and Armstrong has been a Valiant staple since 1992. Uh, Do you guys know that Valiant at one point in time sold the rights of themselves to a video game company in the 90s for $65 million and then subsequently got all their characters back? No. $65 million? What, at what time? In the 90s. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of money for video games in the 90s. Right? Yes. Yeah. And how did they end up getting these characters back? This is literally, I know this fact from reading one sentence uh-huh. uh, on like this, I think it was even maybe even Valiant. So I, that, I don't know any more facts than that. I was just wondering, I was like, how, how long has Valiant existed? I know it's been around for a while. And then this that little piece of trivia came up. What, That's insane. What characters do they have that would be like worth monetizing into a popular video I think, game? You I know think, what I mean? Here's my only assumption. Uh-huh. I think in the 90s, when comic sales were going down and um, people were kind of just speculating different things and, and independent sales were a little bit on the rise, uh-huh. people thought, well, Valiant is going to be the next Marvel. So let's buy in early. Or at least the next Image Comics. Yeah, the thing with Image, though, is that you couldn't... There's nothing you can buy because it's all independently mm-hmm. owned. I understand I understand what you're saying, oh. but you, you wouldn't be buying a universe. So, in, in Valiant, Valiant is not creator-owned. No. It gotcha. isn't? No. It's, it, oh. the, the only creator-owned is Image. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, but Valiant, Valiant is its own, like, universe of, of superheroes, spectrum of superheroes, just like Marvel, just like DC. Yeah. Um, they're an entity of, of to themselves. Of the most famous, we would say probably... Exo Manowar. And then Bloodshot? Ninjax. Bloodshot and Ninjax. I would say probably in that order. Okay. Yeah. So you these are at least... If you don't know them, you would if you saw Bloodshot, you would be like, I've seen that before. Right. Um, same with Ninjax. Same with Exo... I don't think Exo Manowar is that like visually... No, I, really? Like, visually iconic. I think... Maybe name, it's just because I'm a comic book fan and that's like... a huge, huge flagship Valiant comic, Mm -hmm. but maybe to the lay person, (laughs) I guess Bloodshot's a very striking, iconically designed character. Yeah, looks like Punisher with his shirt off, but he is um, albino with a red dot on his stomach. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, Anyway, uh, Archer and Armstrong is usually a duo of which Archer is a very serious, elite martial artist paired with Armstrong, who is in an immortal a moral professional partier. In this book, Armstrong gets his own standalone comic book where he is throwing a once-in-a-lifetime party. Armstrong is letting some of the most famous Valiant Universe heroes join him in consuming his most prized possession, his wine collection, which is a vault full of wine from every year he has been alive, and spoiler alert, that's every year since the dawn of time. However, 
Optimistic villains lurk through the magical portals of this party, attempting to seize the opportune moment to spoil this ritual Armstrong is performing. Throughout the night, we see relationship woes of the immortal and hear tales about the dawning of time and a revisionist, wine-soaked retelling of the start of all creation. Damn, Daniel. That was good. My synopsis was... Noah's a big old dick, and Armstrong is a hapless, big-hearted drunk. <laughs> so just so, as good. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of like Drew's better. More condensed, <laughs> concise. So I love the insight that we gained that Armstrong is the one who taught Noah how to make wine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> In fact, Noah was just an asshole, and Armstrong made all the wine, and Noah took the cred for yeah. it. Right. <laughs> and killed the unicorn? What? Yes. Oh, yeah. Ate him. <laughs> Ate him up. You, I, you're not doing revisionist uh, world beginning history if you're not ending the unicorn in some way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a fun yeah. trope. Yeah, where'd the unicorn go? <laughs> Who the fuck really wants a one a horse with one horn that bad anyway? If it existed, we wouldn't care. No. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. literally Children? Would. Well, didn't... Giraffes? It, don't giraffes their tears have, like, healing properties in myth? Like, aren't they more mythical that's than... A good, that's a good point. So yeah. maybe we would still care, but we would still have killed them out by now, mm-hmm. for yep. sure. Wanted them for their horn dust that yeah. heals us. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good point. For Caitlin's birthday, we went on a mystical excursion. <laughs> <laughs> went to some gardens in a suburb that had nine sculptures, I believe, of mystical beasts. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a fantastic outing. It was outing. so good. I was not disappointed. My yeah. baby was stolen for yeah, 30 yeah. seconds. <laughs> Oh, God. I think we, we might have hashed Not this out. Not by one of the mythical beasts. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got a lot of questions for you guys. Um, this comic, although a true spandex tale from Valiant, is laced with comedy. One of your, what are some of your uh, favorite funny moments in this comic book? I just showed Mike one of them on, on the comic that we were flipping through. Um, it's where... What's his name? Now I'm going to mess it up trying to say, say, describe it. But Canaan, right? Canaan? Canaan? Canaan. Canaan. Yeah. Canaan's descendant. Yeah. Is confronting him, uh, confronting Armstrong. And he like makes peace with him. But then the vault is about to close. Is that what it is? The yeah. time, the yeah. impending. Because it only opens, I think, once a year. Yeah. Yes. So he's like, talked him down, de-escalated the situation, they're making peace with each other, and then the vault's about to close, and Faith comes flying through, grabs Armstrong, and leaves Kanan in the vault that will be shut forever. <laughs> I and love that. And his face, yeah. that panel where he's like, what? what? Completely <laughs> so, still, still doomed. He yeah. was just convinced he wasn't doomed. Yes, yes. And then he's like met his ultimate doom. Totally. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it, I, here's one thing I want to say about Valiant books yeah. is that I believe they are genuinely funny. And there are so many comics, big publishers, small publishers that come in trying to be funny, and they are often not, you can tell when something's trying to be funny, it's trite and contrived. Yeah. Valiant does such a good job at being comical with their comic books. Mm-hmm. V- Valiant has done a bunch of rebranding in the last five, ten years or whatever, and they have stayed strong with this whole independent universe that's not even being shit. Like, there's no, like, crossover, like, at least popularized, like, crossover between, like, DCs and Marvels and things like right. that. 
their two brands that I think they really stay true to are doing humor well in ways that Marvel would try to and cannot. Mm -hmm. And also, they really try to make every book accessible. And I don't know how much they succeed, but they are really trying to invite new readers constantly with yeah. every start of new ar- of a new arc. Case in point, um, you brought up Faith. Um, Faith is, I think, the um, first plus size uh, like female who's just not like it's not even part of her like powers. I think there was like a blob in Marvel or something like. Isn't there blob? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah on like. the X Men, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, he, she just happens to be plus size and is essentially like a Superman-esque type of uh, superhero. Yeah. yeah, she's actually one of my more favorite um, superheroes that, that has been recently introduced. Um, DC's trying to reintroduce some new superheroes right now, and Marvel has done the same over the last few years. But I think there's something about Faith that's really endearing and really charming that makes people love her more. And I think she's really clicked with the Valiant audience and kind of uh, she's... Uh, leaked out into the other mainstream audiences that are kind of really discovering her and really enjoying kind of what she's all about. She's self-aware of her nerddom, and I think she yeah. like cosplays and things like that. Yeah, she's like, I think, a self-described nerd, mm-hmm. so she gets these superpowers, which is kind of what we all want. Every comic book reader wishes one day they would just wake up with these powers, <laughs> and I think it's a fun aspect to play around with with the character of Faith. One thing that I like about Armstrong is that he has existed since the beginning of time. And I think he's an interesting character to make uh, with that background, I guess. That you would, normally you think like, oh, this guy's existed since creation. He's going to be brilliant and wise. Or so jaded and desensitized to everything because it's just not possible to be shocked anymore. Right. And he's just this jovial guy yeah. who's just like, you know what's good about life is just... Drinking. F- fucking drinking. <laughs> yeah. So much bad stuff has happened to him throughout his life that he's just committed to just having a good time. He's, yeah, he's the friend you want. He's the friend you need. Well, here we are again. Another episode of First Issue Club has come to a close. It's time for us to walk back into that cornfield and fade away until it's time for us to come back. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Music by Primary Color Music. Edited by the lovely and luscious Matthew Hodap. If you're on the internet and you have uh, any kind of social interaction on those tubes and wires, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and email under First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T. Now it's time for us to say goodbye in our own special, unique way that we all love and enjoy and never go over the top with. And my wife never listens to. (laughs) So Heather, this is for you. (laughs) And I love that we are the Field of Dreams of podcasts. (laughs) Just yeah, you guys aren't going to get that from me. This, this, is, is, <laughs> this is just... Greg Shoeless Joe Lichtai saying... <laughs> I'm Michael DeStacy, and this is a new character I've been working on. His name is Griswold Pebble Shonum. Hello. Um, I, well, I just pulled my new Mazda 6 off the lot, and 
man, it feels great to be in a, the seat of a Mazda 6, and I'm just taking it around turns, and gosh, it handles well. And when I get home, I'm going to put all the bumper stickers on the back of it of all the different things that I like. And you know what? I think I might save a bumper sticker with your name on it because, gee golly, I, I do like you. I'm Caitlin Morasic, and I'll show myself out. Uh, this is Budget King, and for this one, I actually had a, um, I recorded, like I had, re- I had previously recorded something, so I'm going to go ahead and I'll play that right now. Click. <laughs> Hello, 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 hello. This is Budget King from the future, and I've I've come here to tell you that you are president. You have a giant penis, and it's everything is is beautiful for you. So enjoy, enjoy, enjoy yourself. You previously <laughs> recorded something from the future. <laughs> So many questions, <laughs> no solutions. <laughs> Did your voice get deeper as you get older? <laughs> it was it, the de- degradation on the tape. I, I, oh, I have a boombox here. So gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it all makes sense now. <laughs> God, I guess anyone could be president now. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.